Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, Adam Wickersham, Director of the Executive MBA Program at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Sheldon B. Lubar School of Business, takes a look at prominent leaders from history and offers some tips about what goes into the making of a successful leader, along with warnings about what can bring failure. Napoleon, Empress Wu, FDR, Cromwell, Akbar, Stalin. History provides many examples of strong leaders who left their marks for better or for worse. But what the past will not do is provide the magic formula for how to become an effective leader. Looking for clear lessons in history is a futile quest. There are too many, and their meaning is always in dispute. History can be useful, however, in suggesting patterns and parallels, raising questions, and equally important, giving warnings about why things go wrong. So from one armchair historian, uh, our, our first some tips about what goes into the making of a successful leader, and, and second, warnings about what can bring failure. Number one, you have to want to lead. Leading can be gratifying, often exhilarating, but it's also lonely. Ambition and determination to succeed may mean sacrificing family and friends. Think of how many children of great leaders have had unhappy lives. That loneliness is why statesmen like summits. They meet those rare others who, who face the same pressures and responsibilities. At the Paris Peace Conference of 1919, David Lloyd George of Britain, George Clemenceau of France, and, and Woodrow Wilson of the United States talked about their dreams and shared their fears of failure. What they also had in common was an ability to pick themselves up after setbacks and keep on going. Many leaders now are dealing with setbacks. How many of you have had to make the decision to lay people off during the COVID crisis? How many of you made your quarterly sales goals? There's so little that we can control right now, so focus on controlling what you can. That is the basis of leadership. Number two, work out the key people to keep on your side. The people to keep on your side can vary. In a democracy, leaders need to worry about numbers and getting reelected. In an authoritarian state, leaders can probably just focus on keeping certain institutions, the military or secret services, for example, on their side. When Bismarck created Germany, he needed one man above all others, the Prussian King Wilhelm. Now, from what I've read, it was not an easy relationship. Wilhelm complained that it was hard to be king under Bismarck, but in the end, he supported his brilliant minister, who in turn made him emperor of Germany. In democracies, political leaders have to build stable coalitions. After the Great Depression in the United States, the Democrats brought together Southern whites, Northern blacks, the working class, and liberals, and that served them well for decades. How many of you are currently looking at your leadership team to see if it represents the local community? Do you have a diverse team? Where are the new ideas coming from? Study after study show that companies with a wide range of employees enjoy broader skill sets, experiences, and points of view, all of which combine to give diverse companies a powerful advantage over homogenous ones. Three, it helps to be a good communicator. That means, above all, understanding your audience. Lloyd George, who was one of the greatest British orators, once said, I'll reach out my hand to the people and draw them to me, like children they seem then. 
Winston Churchill's rhetoric in the Second World War can seem overblown today, but it was what the British people needed at the time. Oh, and does it make a difference to actually have something to say? In his radio fireside chats of the 1930s and 40s, President Roosevelt was reassuring the American people about the state of the nation and getting them used to the idea that the United States might have to fight the dark forces gathering in Europe and the Far East. During this time of teleworking, have you been in constant contact with your employees? Those you are charged with leading as well as those in other departments yet are key players to your business? Are they on the brink of burnout due to the perceived demands of constantly being on their computers to prove they're working? Are they taking time for themselves? Have you asked them directly? Have you been empathetic to their varying plights? Some are not only employees, but are now the chief babysitter, primary caregiver, and homeschool teacher all at the same time. Have you appropriately communicated with them to assure that they are mentally and emotionally secure? Leadership is about empathy. It's about having the ability to relate to and connect with people for the purpose of inspiring and empowering their lives, which brings us to point number four. It also helps to listen. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, perhaps the single most terrifying moment of the Cold War, President Kennedy insisted on hearing his advisors' different points of view before deciding how to deal with the Soviet challenge in Cuba. Interestingly, he had also read uh, Barbara Tushman's uh, classic book on the outbreak of the First World War, which showed how easily leaders can make mistakes and stumble into conflict that they really didn't want. As Kennedy also demonstrates, Choosing good and independent subordinates is a safeguard against making bad decisions. Do your employees feel that they can talk to you about things that they don't agree with? I mean, really, what's the point of having a good, solid, diverse group of employees working with you if you're not going to listen to them? If you can sense the way the currents of history are flowing, you may be able to ride them. Bismarck famously said that a statesman must wait until he hears the steps of God sounding through events, then leap up and grasp the hem of his garment. And he did just that when he maneuvered across the chessboard of Europe to create a new state of Germany. Effective leaders are able to manage both the day-to-day -day issues that press in on them and the bigger picture. That is where a knowledge of history helps, as it shows patterns amidst all the noise of current events and reminds of possibilities other than those we're used to. Okay, so with that in mind, let's now take a look at some of the warnings. And for me, number one, beware the traps that power lays. The French talk about deformation professionnelle, which means the way your profession or your position can subtly warp your judgment so that you only see things from one perspective. Before the First World War, the German general staff were told to develop plans to ensure Germany's victory, if necessary against France and Russia at the same time. They came up with a brilliant and detailed plan to fight a holding action against Russia in the East and, by throwing the bulk of their forces against France in the West, bring its surrender rapidly. Because it made military sense, German troops would invade through neutral Belgium on their way to Paris. Politically, though, it was a disastrous decision. 
Germany's violation of Belgian neutrality brought Britain into the war, virtually ensuring its defeat. Power is also dangerous because those who hold it start to think that they can do whatever they choose. Think of Richard Nixon trying to use the institutions of the American government to shut down the Watergate scandal, or the American war in Vietnam. In 1960s, the United States was the most powerful economic and military power in the world. Its leaders assumed they could easily overwhelm North Vietnam and bring its leaders to the bargaining table. They did not bother to wonder whether their enemies and their Vietnamese allies might have different ideas. Robert McNamara, who was Secretary of Defense at the time, later said, Our misjudgment of friends and foe alike reflected our profound ignorance of the history, culture, and politics of the people in the area and the personalities and habits of their leaders. So I ask, how are you making decisions? Are you looking at the issue through multiple lenses? Are you even asking the right questions? Are your decisions becoming too myopic due to the blinders inherent in your position? Two, don't start to believe your own propaganda. In ancient Rome, when a successful leader enjoyed a triumphal march, a young private would be tasked with standing behind them and whisper in their ear, remember, you are human. Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, the father of modern Turkey, was a rare leader possessing great power who knew his own limitations. It is said that he issued a standing order that any instructions he gave in the evenings, when he liked to carouse with his friends, should be ignored. History has far more examples of leaders whose conviction of infallibility grew in proportion to their power. With most of Europe lying at his feet, Napoleon came to think he was invincible. He found himself enmeshed in a pointless and costly war in Spain. Then, to bring the young Tsar Alexander to heel, he invaded Russia, the mistake that led to his eventual downfall. Adolf Hitler had a string of successes, the seizing of Austria and Czechoslovakia, the defeat of France, the partition of the center of Europe with Soviet Union, which convinced him he was infallible. Against his general's advice, he followed Napoleon into Russia. When German troops encountered resistance, Hitler refused to let him retreat, and that was the beginning of his end. 3. Know when to step down. Relinquishing power is one of the hardest things to do. Yet, as the old joke has it, graveyards are full of people whose tombstones read they thought they were indispensable. The 16th century Emperor Charles V, who voluntarily abdicated as the Holy Roman Emperor and retired to a monastery, is highly unusual. Far often, leaders have chosen to stay on when they should have bowed out. Without intending to, they often undo much of their own work and cause problems for their successors. An old and increasingly frail Winston Churchill should not have tried to be prime minister again in 1951. His government drifted while his chosen successor, Anthony Eden, grew increasingly embittered. A final word. You can have all the qualities that make a great leader, from determination to vision to sheer ability, but if you don't have luck and good timing, you will never get a chance to show what you can do. Without the French Revolution, which swept aside the old order and opened up rapid advancement for men of talent, Napoleon would have remained in obscurity. If the Tsarist regime in Russia had not collapsed during the First World War, 
an impoverished exile called Vladimir Lenin would have never had a chance to carry out the coup d'etat in St. Petersburg, which gave his tiny Bolshevik party power for the next 70 years. So I have one piece of advice for would-be leaders, and that is, read some history. Thank you for listening to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. Good luck as you move forward on your leadership journey, and check back regularly for additional episodes.